All good. Uh, Michael, how are you feeling? Uh, the pain is is better now than it than it's been um, in a little bit because they put me in like a hard splint. So that's nice, at least. But um, so what? I mean, so what happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, you you haven't told us what you did. Yeah, it's like all we know. All we know it's, is two things. Uh, chicken suit, broken ankle. Yeah. So you're gonna have to elaborate. It's, and it's, third boys weekend. So I'm just a, like, yeah. it's not an exciting story, but it's an embarrassing one. Um, well, then, yes, I was in full chicken garb, um, in flip flops, and we were <laughs> Florida man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we were just we were fucking around uh, playing pong, and I had drank like literally half a bottle of bourbon. I was extremely Jeez. drunk and um i was kind of like playing pong near this little hall closet and my friend kind of jokingly tried to shove me into it and i got very serious and angry <laughs> and tried to like throw him in it and in doing so planted very hard on my right foot which for everyone slipped, listening how yeah. old are you michael i am i am a <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a wise 36 years old, a fully mature adult, married, <laughs> uh, gainfully employed uh, man. Yeah. And so uh, when I planted, uh, my heel slipped off my flip flop and rolled my ankle very hard. And in doing so, gave myself a high ankle sprain and fractured my fibula. Did it make a noise? Ooh. Um, it did not make a noise, um, but then it was like... It, kind of a whimpering <laughs> noise. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably correct. Um, I would have to confirm with people who have better memories of the moment than, than I do. Uh, so did they take you to the ER in the chicken suit? No, no, no. At first we thought it was just a sprain. The swelling wasn't that bad and we iced it and elevated it. Um, and the swelling went down, but then it just continued getting worse and worse. And so several hours later, sans chicken suit, I went to the ER and they were like, Buck naked. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so well, I'm, that's the story. I'm glad you're, yeah. I'm glad you're on good drugs. Now. Yes. Yes. Uh, and uh, good luck in your <laughs> yeah. tomorrow. By the time this airs, Michael will be in a uh, morbidity and mortality. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I hurt myself today. To see if I still feel I focus on the pain The only thing that's real The needle tears a hole The old familiar sting Try to kill it all away but I remember everything What have I become My sweetest friend 
Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode 20 of Mike Dicta, America's best-named legal podcast. I'm your host, Charles Starr. Joining me today are Michael, who is uh, slow, and Mark. Hey. And Christina. Hi! Uh, you'll hear Michael later. Um, so we have... We have... We have hey, three, uh, three people who are not on narcotics... And one who is, uh, um. <laughs> but but it's fine. It's fine. Welcome, welcome back, everyone. We're sorry uh, for the delay. It's been a newsy. It's been a newsy break. Yeah, it's been um, one yes. week since. <laughs> yeah, it's it, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh, the <laughs> the chicken is back. Um. Uh. So okay. So this has been a. Very shaggy opening, but of course, of course, our best friend is back in the news. Uh, our best friend, of course, is Michael Cohen, uh, the now uh, convicted felon Michael Cohen, who who actually thought that would ever happen. Certainly not me. Uh, I, I could not have dared to dream. And yet there he is in prison on multiple charges. I will say uh, being an actual felon makes him hotter. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah. please sound that off is, in the comments. He's gonna. He's only gonna that get even a, more tired looking in prison. So just. Oh, imagine. he's gonna look so sleepy. Oh my god, he's gonna look so haggard. Yeah. That is. That's our. That's our Christina. She. The range is from Krasner to Cohen. It doesn't matter where you are on the uh, jurisprudence scale. <laughs> I will she find you. Finds you hot. And I will be horny for she, you. <laughs> Mark, was it was um, it you who were suggesting that Christina is going to start sending him love letters once? Yeah, he's in, get out! <laughs> oh my start, god, I should start get on it. Start giving to his canteen account now, and you know. <laughs> hell it, yeah, get I'm going to JPay. I'm, I'm going to JPay my way into his heart. Uh, all right, Mark, what are you drinking? It looks like milk. <laughs> it's it's a margarita. Oh, okay. sorry. 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 Yeah, you didn't. He's got the. He's got a blender uh, that he's using between. All right, so let's. So here's what. Here's uh, the Michael Cohen charges. The Michael Cohen charges. The not interesting ones were that everyone just figured was him being generally shady. Were tax fraud charges connected uh, to um, kind of the in, at some level the taxi business. Uh, and income he didn't declare from that, right? He loaned people millions of dollars and didn't declare the money from the loans. He also took out millions of dollars in loans on the various taxi medallions he had. Some, and then when he that's some real hmm? godfather shit. I mean, like taxi medallions, like yeah, I. Well, I mean, that's they're basically. I don't know how it works everywhere in New York City. To, to operate a cab, and this is like distinctly pre-Uber, uh, but to operate a cab, you had to get a license from the city, and the license is the form of a medallion, which you can then lease out. I mean, most, most people don't drive their own medallions. They just oh. sort of accrue a bunch of them and lease them out to have a, fleece of ca- a fleet of cabs. I didn't know that. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's like the number that you see on the cab, like 1A65 or whatever, is the medallion number. And it's also like bolted to the hood of the cab. And so 
And so he had, and you know, his associates had like a fleet of cabs running off of their medallions. And so they, before Uber, uh, they were worth a lot of money. Like, I mean, they're still worth like decent money, but now that like Uber has like killed the cab business, they're not worth as much. But they were worth in excess of a million dollars because the city like, you know, restricts the number that are on the market. I feel like my, so, like, papa is, like, telling me a story of ancient past. Like, tell me of the taxi medallions before <laughs> well, there was Uber, really, papa. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is, that is my loss. Um, and so... What is a taxi? <laughs> okay, so so he, he loaned money to other people to get medallions. This is probably uh, the guy, uh, Gene Friedman, the taxi king, who I literally graduated high school with, um, but didn't know. Uh, and he also, he also used his own portfolio of, uh, right. Uh, he also used his own portfolio of medallions to take out loans. But then when he wanted other loans, he didn't disclose that he had this massive, uh, loan liability, like with his own medallions as collateral. And so, you know, he got busted for tax fraud and bank fraud for not declaring it. And he also brokered the sale of a Birkin bag and didn't declare the commission. For $30,000. Yep. Like, yep. what was that shit made out of? Like, actual yep. human skin? <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I I saw that and I was like, oh, wow, $30,000. That's expensive for a bag. And then I read a little more and apparently a $30,000 Birkin bag is like a street knockoff. Uh, what the fuck? <laughs> like that oh, they, my God. That they if go I... for like a quarter of a million dollars or like some of the like the more exotic ones are like really high end. So he got busted for a shitty Birkin bag, <laughs> which is like beyond my comprehension of of wasteful spending, more that we'll get to later on Manafort. I mean, that $30,000 Birkenbag is two ostrich jackets. Two. <laughs> Which is now a just unit in, of Just in case one is like at the cleaners, you know, it's you gotta a, have your, yeah. you gotta have your other one. A unit yeah. of corruption measure. How many, yeah, how a many? unit of corruption is an ostrich jacket, <laughs> which converts to $15,000 American. Um, so that's it. So that was like, that was all of Cohen's like not interesting stuff. What are the juicy right? ones? You know, all the sort of cheap ones of his just regular being a New York schmuck trying to grip <laughs> what he could. <laughs> uh, and then he got to the, and then the, and then the Trump stuff was the things that everyone knew about, which was the McDougal and, uh, and Daniels, uh, payoffs. Right. And he copped to those two as campaign finance violations. Right. Which was actually kind of surprising, uh, I think. And um, I mean, we talked about it on this episode, but there was actually interesting law there that we didn't get into with the nuances. But, um, you know, there's like a knowledge requirement with federal criminal election charges um, that are very atypical. Um, so it was interesting how, how that came out. Um, basically, unlike other crimes, you actually have to know you're violating the law and be aware of the law to be charged criminally. 
So are you uh, saying it, ignorance of the law is a defense, like, in this? Absolutely. If you That's do, insane. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of them where there are knowledge requirements. A right. lot of them there aren't. Right. But, like, anything that a rich person can do, there are knowledge <laughs> right. requirements. That's the perfect loophole for Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I mean... Well, right. except, except for all of the know. recordings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, except for all of the recordings where he's like, why aren't people doing more crimes? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the rationale. Which, which yeah. by the way, which, by the way, I love, like, the way that, uh, like, he, this is a criminal information, right? He wasn't indicted. He, he pled right. to an information, which is basically the government writing down uh, what they would charge him with, and he just pleads guilty to it directly. And the way that they do these things is anyone who isn't specifically being indicted, they ref- they refer to by like John Doe kind of names, individual one, corporation A. And it just in this case ends up being really funny because <laughs> there's just no mask to it at all. For instance, on or about June 16, 2015, Individual one began his presidential. Who could it be? (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) And then like later on, it says by this point, individual one was now the president of the United (laughs) States. (laughs) Really? You know, that job that anyone could be holding on that. Really (laughs) preserving his anonymity. Uh, You know, honor about... On or about August 2015, the chairman and chief executive of Corporation One. What corporation? Uh, which again is the Trump Organization. Right. I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's fantastic. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Corp- actually, Corporation One is the parent company to the Inquirer. The, the fallout from this, though, has been hilarious because Trump basically tweeted like that Michael Cohen was a fake friend. Like, yes. <laughs> Like yeah, the president of the United States was like saying, like bitching about his like friend who stabbed him in the back. It's so he was, great. He was if, like, if this wasn't yeah. real, it, it would be very funny. But. Trump was like two steps away from snitches get stitches. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like, whenever he's in it. these situations, he always like finds himself advocating for like reinterpretations of criminal procedure that would like effectively, you know, lead to the abolishment of prisons because you would never actually never be able to prosecute anybody. But of course, I mean, he's he actually only, woke. He, yeah, yeah. Except of course he only thinks that, you know, he'll still say that and then he'll go tweet the next day that like, you know, crime is on the rise and we need to like, you know, let police execute people on the spot or something. Right. Um, but that's, well, that's, <laughs> that's brown people. That's illegal right, immigrants. Right. Of course, right. that's not witch hunts, politically motivated witch hunts, which <laughs> that's litter. But I mean, I think that count. is his preferred <laughs> method of jurisprudence is the most dangerous game. <laughs> right. Right. Where the cops just go out and shoot anyone who looks kind of guilty. Yeah. Right. Uh, with looking kind of guilty, having like very clearly defined terms yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, under this administration. Um, and so that's it. So they he, they got him on they got him on both of those charges. The you know arranging for like essentially in the campaign finance terms, basically they were in kind benefits yeah. <laughs> where he where he fronted the money and it, like it actually did intersect because one of the loans that he took out was he took out uh, was he took out a HELOC a home equity loan. Uh, 
and he took out a half million dollar home equity loan. And that's the loan where he didn't disclose Mm -hmm. the um, he didn't disclose that he had 14 million dollars of medallion liability. So all of his assets were encumbered. Okay, And so he was just lying about his net worth. So I have a real I mean, this might be a really dumb question. I, I mean, I've been following this, but like I've been too scared to ask this. Like, why couldn't Trump just pay her? Like, why did he have to go through Michael Cohen? Like, I I don't really understand that. That actually would have been much better. Yeah. like I- <laughs> Legally, legally, it would have been much better. But he wants a layer. The answer is because he wanted a layer of deniability. Right. It's not a legal question. It's a political okay. question. Right. He, he didn't want to pay her because he didn't want a paper trail connecting her. But like, and this the is way more of a paper trail. Illegal. Well, I mean, if, well, if but he it, gave her money and, and signed an NDA with his name on it, then, you um, know, that's right. And it, that's what the exchange was for. The money was for the NDA. But, and, I'm, uh, and the, and the po- and, uh, and Mark, I, just, I mean, this is the kind of thing that I think this way of operating works fine for Trump when he's like Trump sort of, you know, yeah. mogul, you know, media mogul slash semi real businessman. But. You know, once you find yourself under the level of scrutiny that a president has, it suddenly, right. you know, it starts to look a lot more ridiculous. Yeah, I've just been well, wondering the it, whole time. I was just like, it seems like this would have been way easier if he had just paid her. But Well, no, it would have been. But they, but he needs 15 layers of deniability. Yeah. So think about it. One, he runs it through Cohen. Two, Cohen runs it through, like, this indirect purchase method where they're doing the kind of catch and kill with the inquirer. Right. And right. then he has another layer of deniability because they sign the contract with the essential consultants corporation right. as agent for an unnamed party, Daniel da- David Dennison, <laughs> right. Right? right? Standing in for Trump. And so like and there's an NDA with punitive sanctions for violation of it. So the reason they did all of this, which is a huge paper trail, Mm -hmm. is the huge paper trail was designed to be like six layers of insulation and never see the light of day. Yeah, so like basically like none of this would have been a problem unless Sessions hadn't recused himself. And I mean, is that true or? Um, Well, well, that depends on your level of faith in sessions yes. uh, so so yes of course that's correct um but i mean sessions isn't how it should have mattered right like if sessions if sessions had an iota of integrity and sessions were running the investigation right he'd have come up with all of the exact same stuff yeah once you start right. scratching the surface just a little on michael cohen's involvement with the russians all of this stuff pops up i think but but of course, you know, it just it just all showed up. But Cohen, I mean, though, the fact is Cohen wasn't even prosecuted, prosecuted by Mueller. Right. Right. No. Like, like basically Mueller found this stuff, knew that it was kind of outside of his mandate. He probably could have kept it in his mandate, but he's trying to like protect himself and his investigation as much as possible. Right. So he literally tied it up in a bow and handed it to the U.S. attorney for the Southern District right. and let Man- and let the Manhattan uh, federal prosecutor handle the whole thing. And so all of it took place in 
New York. Yeah. And it I happened th- very quickly. Yeah. I think the more interesting recusal question is or, or issue was actually that um, when this got handed off to the Southern District of New York, um, their U.S. attorney was an interim Trump appointee whose interim period was going to lapse and the district courts were supposed to pick his replacement. Um, and No, they just renominated the same guy. Though. The district courts took him, but only after he recused himself. And, and I think it's an open question if he didn't recuse himself, whether the district courts would have been like, yeah, let's just keep this guy in, you know, who's inserting mm-hmm. himself into this investigation that, you know, implicates. That is a really interesting question because it just calls, you know, it calls into question the whole integrity of like U.S. attorneys in general because they're all political appointees technically. Right. So, so you know, yeah. great system. Yeah. <laughs> well, but so yeah. he recused himself. He got renominated, but it's out of his hands now. And it's some um, deputy U.S. attorneys, assistant U.S. attorney who's running it. Um so yeah and so and like one of the interesting things is people made a big deal of the fact that there's no cooperation agreement right right which there isn't but that's i think less meaningful than i think people think it is because if he does provide information to Mueller and the Mueller investigation, I'm fairly confident that Mueller will write a letter. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, (laughs) know, like it's not in the papers now, like, but I don't think that it is out of the question that there will be sentencing considerations down the line if he continues to cooperate. Yeah. So what's his, what's, how many years is he looking at? I don't don't remember. Like eight. I thought it, I think on the high end, but I think the guidelines range is much lower than that. Yeah, but I don't remember. Uh, yeah, I thought it was around five is what was expected. Um, was what maybe the office recommended, but um, I read that a while ago. So, uh, but I'm not sure. but I think just like Flynn, I think they're going to keep kicking the can yeah. on sentencing, right? Uh, because as long as the person is cooperating, uh, they're just like not going to sweat it. Right. Are they going um, to take all his money or like what's going to happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Absolutely. I think he's going to lose all his money. <laughs> yes. um, I mean, I think by – I mean the, the funny thing in terms of sentencing is like the, the contrast is uh, Papadopoulos who pled guilty months ago and was theoretically cooperating – but they just released the sentencing memo on Papadopoulos. It's so insane. And, and it's really bad because they're like, we are not giving him any cooperation credit because he literally never stopped lying to us. <laughs> and he, like, hindered like the, he, lied. He, he hindered the investigation. Like he hindered the investigation twice and that's why we got him on obstruction. Like he lied to us about the timing of a meeting and he lied to us about the content of a meeting. And then when we proved to him that he was lying and he agreed to cooperate, he lied again. (laughs) And then when we proved that he lied about that, he lied again. (laughs) And like, he has never been fully forthcoming about like any of the things they want to talk about. Like he met with, I don't remember his name anymore. um, Mifsud maybe 
the the guy from Malta. I think that's like right. The the foreign relations professor from from Malta. Who I can't is remember all these people. Like Jesus. who's a Russian agent of you know whatever. And so he met with that guy, and he met with other people, and he tried to broker the meeting between Trump and the Russian, the Trump campaign and the Russians, and like it's just been forever. They've known all about it because I guess he got drunk and bragged to some. <laughs> like diplomat and like some Australian diplomat about his like connections to Trump and Russia. And so like they like immediately the the Australian government told the Obama administration about it. So he's been under the microscope forever. And just despite the fact that everyone knew everything, he kept lying to them. And wasn't there wasn't there something in that that like literally uh someone was able to leave the country before the government was able to like pull their passport or detain them or whatever yeah. because yeah, he, cause he's, he had misled them about that person's role in all this, something along those lines. Yeah. I think he, I think he missed, he lied about the timing of a meeting really? and when he met them would have made it not relevant to certain other inquiries. Right. And so they didn't, stop him in time right. and so then he yeah he bolted i don't remember who it was but he left the country right and so and so he got a sentencing memo that was basically like oh yeah we want prison time yeah and it's like it's only like like i think they only asked for six months which is six months more than i'd want to do <laughs> right. but i think but i think when he pled guilty the expectation was he was not going to do time because Psych. he was a low-level guy but uh, but he is going to do time because he just kept lying. And it's just I, I think I tweeted this, but like every every paragraph in the sentencing memo has some formulation of and then he lied again. Get <laughs> <Yes>. him. <laughs> it's just pretty. So who pretty else fun. is in trouble this week? Uh, Paul Manafort. Uh, the big one. The big one is Paul Manafort. Yeah. Who was found? Who was found guilty of uh, egregious sleaziness? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And he's Paul going Manafort to jail? not attracted, by the way. I'd like to go on the record. Do you not want to fuck Paul Manafort? <laughs> what about like eighties Paul Manafort? <laughs> let me let me look it up. One one second. Yeah, yeah. I gotta. You know what? She's gonna take the fifth here because we all know the answer. Um, but the. But it's uh, it's pretty crazy. So he got not he got he got nailed for five counts of tax fraud, uh, which like ran the gamut. Right, it was failing to disclose his foreign bank accounts, failing to disclose income from certain properties. I think. I mean, it's I I'm, I may be like blending some of the Virginia charges with some of the. New York charges. Wait, where was but he tried? I'm so sorry. This one was the Virginia. Virginia. Okay. Yeah. The, he's got the, the DC trial is coming up. Yeah. Oh, so we've got, got more. The, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah. Because he, not, cause he declined. Done. He declined to. He declined to consolidate. Right. Right. The federal government wanted to, I think, consolidate them in the DC court. But I don't remember which one. But he said no. I want you know because certain charges they didn't have venue. Right in uh in dc and so they brought those charges in virginia and so they wanted to combine them in dc he said no 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 i don't want to and then he complained that uh 
that once he got his bond revoked, right. he complained about the fact that he had to travel to these two different courthouses. <laughs> and they're asshole. like, how the fuck is that our problem? <laughs> and you're the one you're the one who violated bail by trying to influence it's, your witnesses. Right, which is actually related to the other trial. That was the DC trial. It was uh Right. Berman. Yeah, the DC Jackson, the DC trial. Yeah. That judge is I'm tr- who put him away. Uh, no, no. The Actually, it was the Virginia judge who revoked his bond. What happened was he was out on bond in both places. Yeah. And then in D.C., in addition to all of the other indictments they had for his work in Ukraine and his failure to disclose it and whatever – they then found out that Manafort had contacted two of his businesses. I think both of them were business associates. Yeah. And the charge roughly is that he was working in the United States on behalf of Ukraine without registering. And so what Manafort was claiming as a defense was that he was only working on behalf of Ukraine in the European Union. Right. And so he calls up one of his business associates and he basically says and he just leaves a message, I think, or he called. He, I don't remember if he got through, but he's like, he's like, so as you'll recall, we only worked in connection with the European Union. <laughs> and, and that person either hung up the phone or listened to the end of the message and immediately called the FBI <laughs> and said, I believe Paul Manafort is trying to suborn perjury because this is absolutely untrue. <laughs> and so and so they what happened was in D.C., they amended the indictment and they got a grand jury to indict him for witness tampering. Right. And then they took the D.C. indictment to the Virginia court and asked the Virginia court to revoke his bond because he violated the law while he was out on bail with the indictment as substantial proof of the violation of his bond. So what did he and get so in trouble for this time? Like what like what is the what did he get what did he get busted for? Like in this Which trial. One? Oh, in this trial. In this trial, yes. a bunch of things. One failure to file uh, false tax returns because he didn't disclose all of his foreign bank accounts right. and the foreign bank accounts, which is where is where all of his foreign clients paid him. I hate when so that happens, one. you know, right. when my when my foreign clients pay me and I don't disclose it. <laughs> yeah. Also, also uh, bank fraud. Also bank fraud. Uh, he was also money laundering because he was trying to repatriate the money by paying for large assets with like direct transfers, which is like why he could like, basically he could only buy something if the person he was purchasing it from had an account with a swift code so that he could do international money transfers. And so that's why he ends up with $15,000 ostrich jacket. How many, how many ostrich jackets? One, just one, okay. just one ostrich jacket, but it is, it, but a, but the conversion is one mediocre Birkin bag equals two ostrich jackets. Oh, thank you. Good to know. You're welcome. <laughs> 
Uh, let's see, what else? He didn't register as a foreign agent. He was actually only convicted of one of those charges, yeah. which is weird. Like, he got, he was indicted for not registering in four consecutive years, and he was only convicted once. And I don't think anyone can figure out why the jury hung. Well, the there other was one jury. It's, it's that, that was it's, weird. It's, it's that one. Right. Oh. No, no, no. Right. They know that it was one weird juror who wouldn't do it. But there doesn't seem to be any rational basis for why that one year would have been that, like that person would have voted. And then for the other three, they were like, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> Could they we- not interview the jury or like what? Well, their their names were not disclosed for security reasons. So the only person who spoke with the press was a MAGA person who was like, look, I got to be clear. I'd have looked for any excuse to not convict him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, she was like really great judicial system guilty. we have here like, where I'm looking, happens. I'm looking at the Fox News article right now about her. They're the ones who kind of. I think, of course, she went to Fox News because she's a a big Trump supporter. But, I mean, she is, like, the Trump supporter who, like, goes to the rallies and stuff and says, like, fake news. And, I mean, there's a picture of her, like, in her living room wearing a MAGA hat, giving the thumbs up sign. I mean, this is just, like. How did she not get struck? Like, like, how do you not, like, tease that out? I don't know. I don't think voting for the current president of the United (laughs) States is going to be, like, unless you're doing it on a peremptory challenge. To be this enthusiastic, though, I think if they had known it, they probably would have used a peremptory on her. I don't know. A peremptory strike is when, uh, for the the non-lawyer listeners, a peremptory strike is both sides uh, in a case when they're selecting a jury can... um, strike get a certain set number of strikes they can use on jurors to remove jurors and it doesn't have to be for a particular reason it doesn't have to meet much of a legal standard you can just say i don't i don't like this person i want them off the jury um, but it can't be any racist reason or sexist. at all except what it can't be racist or right sexist, right so. those are the yeah. two right. exceptions any reason at all that is that is not uh like an actual violation of the jurors rights. right right and so, and so there's I also Oh, sorry, Mark. And so I, just I just wanted to point I just that. Wanted, yeah. I, sorry, I keep harping on this woman, but I mean, you know, it's just incredible. I mean, she says that she was, you know, looking for any way that this was all just a trumped up to like get to Trump. This, you know, is all about the phony fake news media's Russia obsession. She was like the dream juror for the case, and she's still <laughs> convicted on eight out of ten counts. I no, just, she convicted on everything. Well, oh, no. she convicted on all charges. Wait. There was an additional juror. Wait, she oh. was who? She was not the. No, one. she's not the one who hung the jury. Really? She voted to convict on it. Like that's the thing. No, I totally. She I, was I, like I totally the MAGA person who convicted on everything, and she's like, "There's one guy who wouldn't convict on these other things." And so that's why we couldn't come to an agreement. And, like, no one can figure out that guy. Right. That's uh, so funny. I didn't know that. I guess it doesn't say. I guess I just assumed she was the, also the holdout. But I guess, oh, yeah, you're right. Right. No, she's not the holdout. Damn. She's, she, was, she was the one who was like, yeah, I don't know why this other guy wouldn't come along. Because even I was convinced <laughs> of all of this. And, and so... <laughs> And so she, he got convicted on one of the four uh, failure to file as a foreign agent charges. 
And then he got convicted on like what was almost a random sampling of the bank fraud charges. Like he was he was indicted for both conspiracy and bank fraud, though both of them were in connection with Gates. But he was the jury hung on all of the conspiracy charges. I guess there was something in the element description that this one guy didn't like. And I guess maybe the one of the charges that he didn't get convicted on was the loan that they didn't receive. Right. You know, like that, which Ellis, the judge, made kind of a big snarky deal about and had to apologize for. It's ridiculous. Like this sort of dumb, this sort of dumb moment in the trial where they're, where they were like questioning this bank official for a while about all of the fraudulent documents that Manafort showed him trying to get a loan. Yeah. And then, of course, they ultimately didn't give him the loan anyway. And Ellis says something snarky like, well, why don't you focus on loans that he did get <laughs> and, and the government's like it's still you know, fucking fraud <laughs> well yeah like at the, I, I feel at like the I time read somewhere kind of, that the judge was super biased is that well he's yes i mean he though i have also read that he's like this all the time just an asshole. To prosecutors yeah just like a really nosy uh belligerent prick and in general that's probably good that he's leaning on the prosecutors like that but in this case like this particular thing real like the government kind of ate shit about it as he said it because you kind of have to when the jury is there and then they come in the next morning with a motion and they're like we want you to make a curative instruction because what you said is completely irrelevant to the conspiracy charge. Right. Right. It doesn't matter if they successfully get the loan. The charge is that they fraudulently tried to obtain one. <laughs> and so by making fun of us in open court in front of the jury, <laughs> what you may be doing is confusing the jury about what the elements are. Did they get the instruction? Sort of (laughs) in a very weaselly way, because what Ellis did rather than rule on the motion is literally pretend that he hadn't read it and then (laughs) just was like, well, I may have made a mistake yesterday. (laughs) There's kind of a motion, but I didn't really read the motion. So I'm just going to say that sometimes even judges get out of hand. (laughs) And he just kind of walked it back, but didn't make an official ruling on it. Judges judges do be doing that. Yeah, the most embarrassing sort of version of it. But yeah, he was convicted on eight counts. All of the... All of the tax fraud charges, one of the foreign agent filing charges, and two of the bank fraud charges. And the bank fraud stuff was also really wild because one of his defenses was that he couldn't have committed bank fraud because the loan was so in the bag because the banker was more corrupt than he was. Very cool. <laughs> right. Because that. the banker was trying to get a job as secretary of the treasury. <laughs> <laughs> and he expected Manafort to put in a good word for him so he would end up in the Trump cabinet. So literally there's like 
Manafort would not have needed to provide any paperwork at all in order for this corrupt official to have given him a loan. So how could he have committed fraud? And so also at the same time that Trump was like calling Michael Cohen a fake friend, he was also praising Manafort for like not talking. Yeah, not really. And I'm just like, could you look a little like more guilty, please? Like, it's it's incredible that like- No, he was very- He's allowed access to his phone. Like I just, that still, like in 2018 blows my mind that he's allowed to say these things. Yeah, no, no. Cheese took the took the hit and went to prison, <laughs> and, and forever gets the respect of Abe. He must be um, loyal to his capo. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty. It's pretty crazy, and so, but it was like all of the evidence was just crazy because his his tax preparer was like, "Yeah, I kind of knew it was fraud," but he still got more trials. Yeah, one more trial, yeah. and that is that is also in connection with his foreign agent stuff. Uh, but I guess it was stuff that they were able to get venue in uh, DC for. Like, I don't really remember. I don't really remember the. I didn't pull the the DC complaint to prepare for the show. Of, of, but, of all the Trump world, like you know, defendants, I think Manafort is going to be the one who's most likely to just go full sovereign citizen in a very short period of time. We're going to start seeing, I, I, I'm putting bets that within the next year, we're going to start seeing, um, pro se motions from him about like fringe on the flag and, and like (laughs) (laughs) his name being in all caps on the indictment or something. It is it, it is funny that like like tax is. law violations are the great yeah. equalizer in America. Yeah. Like that's how we get everybody. Yeah, well no, we don't because we only indict them if we already hate them. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, yeah. Just gets away with it. I, I also um, I also wanna just make hazard a guess that you're not gonna have nearly as many MAGA diehards in your DC jury pool. Just, uh, yeah. just a guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be trickier for him. And yeah. just one last thing on this uh, before we move on to topic uh, two. After we've moved away from Trump world, is on the same day that Cohen pled and Manafort was convicted, there was a third ruling which just made me laugh because it was so small comparatively. And this is in a state court case brought in, uh, brought brought in, brought in the Bronx, a bunch of protesters at Trump Tower, uh, like back, like around the time, like shortly after the campaign, or around the time of all of the, Im- the first immigration uh, crackdowns on all of that, a bunch of people got dressed up in like Klan robes uh, and spit and went. Uh, protesting at Trump Tower and the security goons went out and like took their banner and tore up their signs and pushed some guy to the ground and so a bunch of these people have sued uh, all of the various Trump entities and Trump himself and the security guards and a bunch of John Doe's and they tried to get all of it thrown out you know on various on various grounds, uh, mostly being like the only people who were responsible are like our security agency, who's a contractor, and the individuals who did this. And they lost on respondeat superior. 
And the main reason they lost respondeat superior is when the boss is responsible for the actions of the employees, simply stated, is because of all of the times Trump at his rallies talked about beating up protesters. (laughs) (laughs) And so the judge was basically like, there's plenty of evidence that they were following the orders of their employer. And it just quotes Trump at all of his rallies being like, ah, they were troublemakers with records. They, they, the man you say was roughed up, was obnoxious and loud. He was screaming. And this guy started screaming, I don't know, rough up. He should have been. Maybe he should have been roughed up. <laughs> it was absolutely disgusting what he was doing. And so, like, he keeps, he like, because of all of these times he was quoted at his own rally saying, beat up the protesters. They're like, nah, these were not rogue agents. <laughs> right. This is these the normal co- course of duty for you, a- yeah. as you yeah, understand this was, it. This was what they were supposed yeah, yeah. to be doing. Two, uh, this is this is a rare this is a rare thing. This is a good news podcast. Yes, we start every we topic start with is the good. good news. Yeah, we start with the good news of the indictments and guilty pleas of various uh, ne'er do wells, and now uh, <clears throat> we talked. I don't. We've talked about it at least once, uh, which is uh, Bivens' action, which is where you sue state actors uh well it's for, a little bit more i mean a little so there's yeah, like it's, sex, i guess it's not 1983 yeah it's like 1983 is where you sue like a municipality or like you sue the police for constitutional violations now bivens action is where you sue a federal agent right so it's right. basically the same thing it just has a different name yeah yeah when i was saying state in the sort of more general yeah, sense okay. as opposed to the state federal divide but um but yes the Bivens action is specifically for federal agents. Uh, Bivens uh, is actually one of the cooler case names. It's Bivens versus six unknown named agents of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics. Very cool. uh, because I guess uh, he got roughed up by some cops but didn't know who. And so he was suing them like as a John Doe, basically. But basically, in this case, it's called... Uh, Lanuza, a name that I'm sure I've pronounced incorrectly. Uh, Lanuza versus love, uh, and who wants to be versus love? Honestly, <laughs> but uh, but here, but Especially here we're when rooting it's a against. 
Yeah, we're rooting against Love because he is the assistant chief counsel for ICE. Um, but Lanuza is suing ICE basically for denying his rights in the most insanely clear cut case that I like. I think you'll really ever see. The facts because, were insane. Yeah, it's yeah. nuts. Does someone else want to take on uh, the facts quickly? Uh, well, so I, I I just read this one, so I'm I'm kind of up on it. So basically, Lanusa, uh, the plaintiff, was someone who came to America like when he was a, like in 1996, I think, yeah. and he was basically someone like he was a DACA recipient. Is 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 what I read? I think I think that's right. Um, so he got deportation. Uh, like stuff like that started happening to him. And so uh there's what was the paper called where like you sign it? Like he he basically he basically they basically falsely submitted a self-deportation document. Uh, well wait, you're getting you're getting the the timeline. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, sorry. So they, you go ahead. So so they move so they move to they move to deport him in 2009. Yeah. yeah. And he and he or he files like a notice of cancellation and the notice of cancellation says, no, I'm eligible to stay because I've been here like I'm I have no committed no crimes. I'm of good moral character. Let's see. There, He's there a family. And he was, yeah, he, he, was he was yeah. married to a U.S. citizen. Right. And you, yeah. and you have to be in the U.S. for uh, more than 10 right. years, right. which is and the there most was no question than 10 years. Those requirements, I think there was. Right. No, yeah. no right. Dispute. No. Right. There is there is at this point no dispute. <laughs> right. It got disputed right. during his hearing. Right. Because what the what the prosecuting attorney did was he submitted uh, a document like some, you know, TPS report, basically, <laughs> where where he said that Lanuza had signed a self-deportation order seven years ago. Right. That he agreed, like he admitted that he was in the country illegally and that he would leave. Right in, in two thousand. So that, the best part, that, the best part of this document was that it, like, it was titled like uh, Department of Homeland Security, which did not exist in right. two thousand. So like, it was like right. a terrible. It was a terrible like right. like half right. job. Right. right. Except that no one noticed it was a hack <laughs> right. job, and he lost. Iced. Yeah. Right. Well, no, no, no. This one guy submits it. Lanuza's attorney didn't notice. Like she just looked at or he just looked at it and took it as authentic and said, oh, well, we're fucked. Right. And you only had seven years accrued when you signed this. So you don't. Right. Well, right. Because basically what happens is if you admit that you were deportable, that's what starts the clock on your 10 years running. Right. Because it's like leaving the country as far as these proceedings are concerned. Right. So he loses and he wants to appeal and he gets a new attorney for the appeal. And the whole time he's been saying, I didn't sign that document. Right. Like that document, I don't know where it came from. I never signed it. And his attorney, I guess didn't think he was lying (laughs) and gave it a closer look. And among the things like Christina said, this attorney noticed was (laughs) that it had the letterhead 
of the Department <laughs> of Homeland Security. It was dated 2000. And as I think even the less astute listeners will pick up on, the Department of Homeland Security wasn't created until after 9-11, which was in 2001. Right. So there was a, there was so, a criminal trial for this guy, I yeah, recall. Well, Right. And so that, I mean, a lot of things, well, but the order of how that happened is crazy too. And yeah. we'll get to that. What I also but, just thought was funny about the analysis on the forgery is that they talk about in the opinion how like, I guess the, uh, the attorney representing Lanuza on appeal had it sent, I guess, to some expert for like, to right. determine forensic. like forensic <laughs> forgery expert who could like, I don't know if he was like looking at the kerning under a microscope or something and determined it was a forgery, but also it had a date on it that predated the creation of the agency. <laughs> right. Right. Like they sort went through the un- whole Dan rather unnecessary, but I'm, you know, I'm glad they, we, we've, you know, like the attorney probably didn't pick up on that. Because, like, I mean, who thinks that it's that bad a forgery when they first see the document, right? Because you're looking at it, like, 15 years later, and who looks at it and, like, immediately their first, like, this agency didn't even exist, right? (laughs) Like, like no one really noticed it because it's too, it's it's literally too dumb for anyone to have picked up on it at the time. But then, of course, right, they send it to this forensics expert who probably did spend a lot of time focusing on typewriter technology. And then some like some like the kids, the 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 forensic analyst's kid walked in the room and goes, 2000. <laughs> he's like totally high. And he's like, the DHS didn't even exist, dad. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I follow and these so, guys on Twitter who are all about abolish ice, and and they make the point it's only existed right. for fifteen years. So right, <laughs> yeah. and so and so, of course, the attorney brings this to the attention of ICE, and they're like, "This document is clearly bullshit." And so ICE reopens the hearing, right, and then reverses themselves, and they allow the guy to stay. But then they don't do anything else, right? right? All they do is they deal just with this guy's case and they reverse the decision in his case. And then he has the audacity to sue them. (laughs) And when he sues them. If I'm a plaintiff's lawyer, I'm like, holy shit. Like, this is like the best. No, of course. I'm being, of course, I'm being a smart ass. What I mean is, he sues them, it becomes a public record, which is, of course, hugely embarrassing. And then they prosecute the attorney who submitted the forged document. Like, they were clearly going to just try to bury this whole thing until he sued them. And then they prosecuted him. And, of course, he pled guilty and he's in prison for, for well, like no, 90 days, 30 days, 30 days. <laughs> so, in prison. Sorry, oh, got, that was the, I got greedy. Oh, I thought he got more no, time. Than that. Days. I, I, I read sure this too that. long ago. It's and, a nice uh, vacation. And, oh, that sucks. Well, he's already out. He also had to pay a lot of restitution. $12,000. whole dollars. That is well, the, well, but $12,000 is, I mean, I like, wouldn't say no to $12,000. It was based $12. on his own legal bills. Right, yeah. right. 
if anyone wants to give me twelve thousand dollars, please let me know. But like, right. it, it, well, yeah, I mean, that is, and so it's, it's sort of incredible yeah. that, like, in the light of like this conviction, the government was fighting it this hard that they didn't do anything wrong. Just as someone who's worked right. government side before, like, you know, whenever we, whenever like we got it, like a criminal conviction, we knew that we were fucked, and like we would try to settle that shit as like soon as well, like, we but- could. Right, but they're doing it in the in the kind of age of a conservative court, yeah. which has been very, very hostile to expanding Bivens' actions. Yeah. Right, and the and the real procedural posture here is that there had not been a case before right. where the defendant was an administration was an immigration counsel, and the right being deprived had to do with like citizenship or the ability to stay in the United States. And so it was kind of a case of first impression. Mm -hmm. And because the court is so hostile to the expansion of, uh, of cases that fall under Bivens. I mean, like that's the crazy thing is Bivens was decided in 1971, right? The Supreme court in 1971 says, yes, you can sue federal agents for the deprivation of constitutional rights. You can do that. That's a legal claim. And they have spent the next like 40 years narrowing it, trying to undo that. Right. Yeah. Right? No, I mean, it's the same so thing that with it's very it's the same thing with like section 1983. Like they, like, I mean, it is just incredible the amount that like the law has narrowed these claims to where you basically have to have something egregious like this to recover it all. And so right. that's why like reading this, uh, this, this, uh, opinion was amazing for me because I'm like, this is actual good law. Like, I mean, and like, well, this- yeah. except I think the, it also, I think also exposes, how limited Bivens is because when they start, yeah. I mean, I was not especially familiar with this case law before I, I read this case. And when they talk about the, the recent factors that have, that you were supposed to apply in determining whether, you know, whether you have a cause of action, it's really not so much the egregiousness in a way. It's almost, it's the lack of systemic egregiousness, which, which is so important. It's if this were happening on a, systemic scale you know if if ice attorneys were doing this all over the country then it would be very hard to prevail on this under bivens because what they're looking for is these very you know the one you know the stereotypical bad apple which i think they could at least make the case that they had here it seemed like if we were dealing with a situation where like if trump tweeted hey you know you you uh i our brave ice attorney sh- imagine how great it would be if they were could just make up documents to get people out of the country nice <laughs> if he said that an incredible started, impression and then, Mark. yeah thank you and if and if, if they if he if people started doing that like that would not be an action under bivens because it would be then it would become this policy that yeah. the court says you know we don't we're not going to get into allowing these these causes of action to sue when when it deals with like a you know a policy of the executive branch because we well we the thing that I really liked it. about the thing that I really liked about this opinion was that it like you know went through all the factors and said yes Bivens applies and then when it came to the qualified immunity section and like just listeners who don't know about qualified immunity qualified immunity is is something that protects uh, state actors uh, if if there's things that apply that basically make it a certain like pattern or practice to like 
to to do this thing. They're basically like, no, qualified immunity. Like, of course, does well, not more apply. Than that. Because like qualified immunity applies to cops. Prosecutors have something a lot closer to absolute immunity, yeah. right? Yeah. And they're just like, it's close to absolute immunity. And they were just like, no. Forging a document is clearly <laughs> right. within the exception. I just they're like, like they and, and, and they, they they do they deal with it in like one sentence where they're like, yeah, no immunity. Well, I mean, they, just uh, as someone who works in this, uh, who had worked in this field, like just to have like this opinion, like oh my god, like this is like a it's a big deal. It's a really big deal to have something like like good law like this because like the field of law is so bad, and that's honestly what matters with people who bring lawsuits like this is having uh, like cases like this to cite, basically. So like it's right. a big deal to me. Like I mean, I know that like you know it's. It's pretty small scale in terms of like what Bivens can actually do, but it's 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 a big deal. They they mentioned a number of times there that this guy had commit literally committed a crime. You yeah. know, it's like this is you know, I think they it fell fell under perjury, um, you know, and then was convicted of it. And you know, if there's ever a time when prosecutorial immunity wouldn't apply, it's like when you are literally committing a crime that's and, and doing so in a way that's the opposite of the normal course of your duties, right? Like that's, yeah. it's, there's, yeah. there's no, no reasonable rationale for it applying here. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause like you, like when you read beyond the, the sort of big analytical points, like how, how Bivens claims works and how qualified immunity works, you see like the kind of kitchen sink approach that the government takes to fighting these claims because they also tried, and this is just like a footnote on page 30 out of 31 on the opinion, the government also tried to claim that it was time barred, right? (laughs) That the statute of limitations had run because they said that the statute of limitations should have started running on the day that the attorney submitted the forgery at the hearing (laughs) <laughs> rather than when they learned that it was a forgery. <laughs> They're like, because it's a forgery on its face <laughs> and they got this forgery. And so they only had three years from that point to file suit. And like, and the Ninth Circuit throws that away in a footnote. They're yeah. like, are you, are you crazy? <laughs> like it runs when you learn it's a forgery. Yeah. And you can't like the immigration attorneys didn't know it was a forgery. The the ALJ didn't know it was a forgery. Right. The appeals judge didn't know it was a forgery. The prosecutor said that it was a government document in his immigration file <laughs> and no one at the time had any reason not like to just sort of assume that the government might be submitting documents forged by the prosecutor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. And they're like, if none of those people knew it, this schmuck being ground under the wheel can't be held to a higher standard than them to have known on the day that he received it. It was fake. I mean, let's be clear on the day that he received it. He knew it was fake. Right. Yeah. Right. 
He's like, I didn't sign it. But he had no way of credibly proving it was fake in a way that he would be able to sue them over it. But they're like, ah, he knew it was fake. So he has three years. And the court's like, I hope this guy gets fucking paid. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I hope this is Absolutely. like, I don't, I don't know what, I, I didn't read the original complaint. I don't know what he's asking for, but I hope he gets like yeah. multiple hundreds of thousands because this is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. And like, I don't, I mean, he must have spent a fair amount of time in detention too. Yeah. Because like his hearing was in 2009 and they didn't figure out that it was like, they didn't confirm that it was forged until like, what was it, June? No, February of 2012. Yeah. You know, so like. And, and he was pretty close uh, to being deported, which is like. That's like life ruining when you're when your yeah. wife and, and kids. He's been here since 1996 and has yeah, a family and two children. Yeah, you're like yeah. 22 years established here, or, or I guess at the time it would have only been only what 16 years. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yep, but but a win for the good guys. Yes, uh, and some Vivens really great law. Yes. Yep, yep, and so and so. Congrats to uh, Ignacio uh, Lanuza uh, for. Uh, for his win over Dread uh, Advice. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. There's just one thing I wanna say. The really, 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 real, yo. There's just one thing I wanna say. Copy, 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 copy. There's just one thing I wanna say. We gonna hit it down like this, y'all know the flavor. There's just one thing I wanna say. Uh, Alamo is your with me. Stud Doogie is your with me. SOS, is you with me? Yeah, this how we gonna bust it down, y'all. You know the flavor. You know what time is it. Check it, show. This how we flow. Here comes the booba, and you know I won't fake it. Usually bust records on getting butt naked. Made for the Benzie. Drive a nigga skinzy, pump the tape, grab your naked with the booba. Amen. All right. So we get to, we get to chapter three. Which is the most fun chapter. I mean, people think that Cohen is the fun chapter. <laughs> people no. think that Cohen is the fun chapter, but that is because they don't know about Duncan Hunter and his <laughs> wife, Margaret. Because this is the greatest complaint that I've ever read in my life. It's so because good. U.S. versus Duncan D. Hunter and Margaret E. Hunter is... 47 pages of the most detailed and hilariously petty small bore grifting <laughs> that I have ever seen in my life. It's a banger. Uh, uh, Duncan Hunter, for those who don't know, is a congressman uh, in California whose qualifications uh, for his seat are being the son of a congressman. And being tough. <laughs> Uh, so he took over his dad's seat when his dad retired. Uh, and he's a and Marine, which he ran on. Yeah. Say that again? He's a Marine. Oh, he's a Marine, of course. Yeah. He's also, what, the first or second uh, federal federal representative, congressman, or senator to endorse Trump, right? Isn't that, yeah. isn't that right? Yeah, I think he was early on the bandwagon. He's also, yeah. like, he represents Orange County, which is, like, yuck. Sorry to all of our Orange uh, County listeners, but and he's also he's also the congressman who vaped right during a congressional. Oh, yes, yes. yes. Congress. yes he's, a, he's a vaping congressman. The vaping Just congress. Google um, vaping congressman. So, that's all you need to know. 
It's a great and, gift. Oh, my and, God. Yeah. And so what he was indicted for was using campaign funds for uh, pers- diverting campaign funds for personal use. And the the indictment is just really funny because it is literally over 40 pages of detailing how he just used the campaign card to go to like thirty three hundred dollars spent. This is my favorite paragraph uh, because it's uh, it's paragraph 15, 15 sub five. Uh, food for themselves and their children at various fast food restaurants, including <laughs> more than $3,300. And then it's like, if they don't stop there. They're like spent at in and out Carl's Jr., Jack in the Box, Wendy's, McDonald's, Burger King, Taco Bell, La Salsa, Pizza Hut, Rubio's, Domino's, Wiener Schnitzel, Panda <laughs> Express, Kentucky Schnitzel. Fried Chicken, Panda and Ex- Menchie's Frozen Yogurt. Oh, my Menchie's. <laughs> Oh, no, my menchies. And so $3,300 spent there. They're like, as at some point, it says that he spent uh, $2,200 at Michael's. And Michael's is like a, Michael's is like, yeah, that's like, it's like a dollar store for crafty moms. Mm. And they spent over $2,000 there. So that kind of builds up. Uh, like and then just eleven thousand dollars at Costco, and like it's all crazy. So it's all of that petty stuff, and then every golf trip, every family vacation, and like it ends up being like what is? I'm trying to find the total multiple bills. hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it was, yep. it was a, it was a grift. Like it was a big time grift. And his yeah. excuse for all of this, by the way, is that women yep. be shopping. Yes, <laughs> he threw all of it. He blames it he all, on, all his on his wife. This marine, this macho guy, was like, "Oh, I didn't have any idea. My wife the did w- it." Well, I mean, I want to take, you know. If you're using campaign funds to buy yourself Hawaii shorts, <laughs> I, I, I just want to say, like, maybe masculine, you know, at least the, the masculine you're describing, Christina, doesn't doesn't fully. Well, fit. in his in his defense, they were for a trip to Hawaii that he was also <laughs> yeah. putting on the campaign. Like, <laughs> right. Wait, like, oh, yeah, never mind. <laughs> yeah, well, there was. Right, I mean, one of the trips. Words. Like they take a trip. I think it was a trip to Italy, right? Yeah. They take a family trip to Italy and they try to like family trip to Italy. It's high end. Yeah. And yeah. And then they try to backdoor it into being like a legitimate expense by trying to take a tour of like a naval base there. So good. And so they're like, we would like to take a naval base on Wednesday. And the people at the naval base are like, look, we can't just open it up because you're in town, but we can set it up on Thursday. But I guess on Thursday he had a spa appointment or something. (laughs) So he couldn't make Thursday. And so he's like – he writes back to his contact. He's like, ah, fuck the Navy. (laughs) (laughs) And then he just billed the whole thing anyway to the campaign. (laughs) And like the best was he needed like some – clothes or something like I guess he needed like a pair of pants and his wife emails him and says buy the pants at the golf pro shop 
so that we can expense it as balls for the wounded warriors. (laughs) (laughs) Because I guess they do some charity wounded warrior golf outing. And so, like, it's just the most, like, over and over again, it's just really, like, really petty, and all of these charges are terrible, and 100% his both original and substitute campaign treasurers are the sources for this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and because, I mean, he really didn't think he was going to get caught. No. Like, that is the amazing and, part about and this. Because it it's like, you look at these expenses, and, like, this is not... These are these are not the expenses of anyone who thinks that, like, they're going to get in trouble for it. And they were... Yeah. And it was clear there, too, they were on notice they were being looked at because, you know, people from the Treasury Department were contacting them about their campaign expenditures and asking them to to explain them and they were just the responses they were giving what's what was wild to me was there's parts of the indictment where both Duncan Hunter and his wife say basically the exact same thing to the the treasury agent which is they're asked this question and about can you explain this expense and they reply are you trying to create a paper trail on me it's like yes no he says that to no he says that to his treasury he said that to his campaign treasurer. Treasure. Well, regardless, I mean, yeah, yes. yeah, but that's, I mean, that's like, sort well, of no, what no, no. we're doing. That's what you ha- you're you're creating a paper trail, right. right? I mean, that's what's going on here. Are you? Tr- yeah. Uh, right. No, no, no. The difference is if you say that to a cop, you're insane. Yeah. If you say that to your employee, you're differently insane. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're, try- like you're trying insane. to get your. Like if you're if you're saying it to your campaign treasurer, you're getting you're trying to get him to join you in the conspiracy and to stop being such a fucking nerd with all your rules and filings. (laughs) Um, But yeah. So the best, the best part of this to me was that, like, I, I read a tweet today. I can't remember who it was, but he, I mean, he he's he this this Duncan Hunter is someone who's vocally against raising the minimum wage. But sort of one of his defenses <laughs> to this is that he doesn't make enough money as a congressman to support his family. Like congressmen, like make a lot of money. Like they make a lot more than like fifteen dollars an hour. So <laughs> yeah, know, he makes like about a hundred and of it all. He makes about 170. Okay, yeah, yeah. I didn't know. And yeah. and his wife because this is part of the indictment. Yes. His wife was hired by the campaign as his campaign manager at like $12,000 a month or something even right. though she did nothing except use the campaign card at Michaels <laughs> and Target. Like, there's literally a part of the indictment that refers to her buying two punky Brewster items and a ring pop. Oh, so good. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's so, so like, small bore. Like, I, I like, want you their, guys all to, like, their read. It's groceries. Yes. Yeah. I want you guys to read the complaint because it's so specific. Like, I just want to be the DA who wrote this because, like, I feel like it'd yeah. be so fun because they were very specific about, like, everything I, that they bought. I mean, one of the one of the one of uh, our listeners uh, when I started tweeting out like screen caps of the indictment that made me laugh said that you really need to look at the thing that sounds like uh, that sounds like an affair, and I was like, okay, I'll look at that. And so he says, if you look at paragraph fourteen, 
like they list all of his family friends and all of the people, individual one, individual two, like all the friends that they take out to dinner. And then he says, paragraph 14 just says, individual 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18 live in the D.C. area and had personal relationships with Duncan Hunter. And then paragraph 33 says that on or about June 21st, Duncan Hunter spent $162 in campaign funds for a personal stay at the Liaison Capitol Hill Hotel with Individual 14. Mm -hmm. Now, he lives in D.C., so he doesn't need a hotel there. (laughs) Um, Bonin. And so that is that is uh, that is opinion on disclosed information. That paragraphs fourteen and thirty-three are indicia of him stepping out, uh, even though paragraph thirty-four says he played golf with her as well. Um, <laughs> so, so like all of this is just crazy. But like all of it, there are just so many paragraphs which are the treasurer warning him that he's not allowed to do any of this. Right. They're like, you have to keep receipts. You have to do this thing. You have to do the other thing. And like, take your wife's credit, like stop letting your wife use the credit card. And then he very briefly did the like his San Diego, the San Diego Times Union looked over his campaign disclosures. And they're like, all of these things look like personal expense to which he went. Whoopsie. Well, he did two things. On one of them, he said whoopsie and paid it back. But on the best one of all of them, there were like a thousand dollars charged to Steam games. (laughs) And he said, and yeah, he's a gamer. And his response to the Steam charges was he disputed them with his credit card <laughs> and claimed that he was that they were fraudulent charges. Maybe it was one of those kids. Yeah, I was going to no, say, if the was wife him. was getting into it, maybe. Uh... Yeah. yeah, right. That was women be gaming. <laughs> uh, but, but no, that was just him. Like, he actually opened a fraud complaint with his credit card to try to avoid them when someone got wind of the fact that his campaign was paying his Steam fees. What game do you think he was playing? Do you think he's like a League of Legends I, guy? A Fortnite guy? It's got to be a first-person shooter. Oh, Battlefield, for sure. For sure. Yeah, 100%. Right. I want it to be Farmville, though. <laughs> maybe it's, maybe it's like Japanese dating simulators. You don't know. I mean, he is the, he is the vaping <laughs> congressman, remember us? He's playing Kingdom Hearts. Like. Um, and, like, there, and the excuses, right? Because, like, all of these, like, all the Target shopping and the, and, you know, So they've always got to disclose what they're for, right? And one of the things that his wife said every time, like, they had to disclose, like, the Punky Brewster or whatever, they're like, oh, it was a donation to a school, or, oh, I was making gift baskets for a charity event. (laughs) Like, gift baskets comes up, like, six times in the complaint. But like beyond this, beyond the really small stuff, there were some like real, there were like real charges, right? So uh, paragraph 54, uh, 
Margaret Hunter spent $918 to fly her sister and two family members to a funeral in Tucson. And she told the treasurer that they were for a flight to Baltimore for a National Republican uh, Congressional Committee winter meeting. And the reason that she thought that she could do this, because this is also in the complaint, is that she would just submit like a an invoice that said Expedia. Oh, <laughs> and, so, and so they would just lie about where the flight was. <laughs> and so like they flew like they flew her parents back and forth to Poland and like you know like all of these things where they just like would submit an Expedia receipt and try to like slip by what yeah. the location there's was the, and they would just make up another There's nothing people reviewing account reviewing expenses love more than an unitemized receipt that that always i find gets right. me reimbursed very quickly <laughs> yes <laughs> i mean like that's that i mean that's what's so funny about the level of detail in the complaint is that they like would just keep saying vague things like congressional event and then <laughs> rather than say you know that they went and they bought uh they bought groceries, right? <laughs> they don't just say they bought groceries. They, like, give their shopping list. It's so good. <laughs> it's Where did like, she learn that this was okay? Like, how many congressmen are doing this is my question. Yeah, is it all know. of them? I don't know. But it's just funny that, like, they have the level of detail that in paragraph 135, they say Duncan Hunter spent $296.58 in campaign funds at Albertsons. You could put a period there, right? (laughs) Right. Like, if you're writing a complaint, you could just say he spent $300 at the grocery store. But they don't. They say where he bought $196 in family groceries – and you could also put a period there, but they don't. <laughs> and they say, including dog food, milk, roasted chickens, and paper towels. <laughs> like, it's just so gratuitous. Yeah. Right? Like, but they just want to be clear in case anyone wants to dispute that maybe there's something campaign related in Albertsons. Right. They're like, no, it was dog food, buddy. <laughs> yeah. It was dog food. And he just got $100 cash back. <laughs> <laughs> Like he literally, he's like, yeah, and a hundred for me. (laughs) And then like there are all of these paragraphs and they say that the reason he did it was because he was, despite all of his money, effectively broke. Yeah, I was going to say, I've like, I've overdrafted my account before. I've been there where I had 15, $20 left in it, but I still really enjoyed when they detailed the moments where he, they were here, they were like, "Yeah, he withdrew. He overdrew his account six times, totaling two hundred dollars in fees, and had right. seven dollars in his personal checking account while spending a thousand bucks." It said he overdrew eleven hundred times in seven years. That's so many times. <laughs> yes. Incredible. Like, I mean, like no, it lists in. You How know, do you and do I, that? I wouldn't laugh if this were a person, a destitute person, but this is a man of some right. means. You know, yeah, the, right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's only remember, right. It's every only time funny I've ever overdrafted not, has been like etched right, into exactly. my mind. Like yeah. every yeah. time I've overdrafted has been etched into my mind because it's like thirty bucks in overdraft, and like that's fucking a lot of money to me. Eleven oh, yeah. well, hundred times. Yeah. <laughs> well, how about if I hit you with this number? Eleven hundred times in a seven-year period, resulting in 
<laughs> approximately $37,761 oh, in overdraft and insufficient funds bank fees. Charles, I'm Just going to kill fees. myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but that's not all, folks. His credit cards were also charged to the limit, often with five-figure balances, Tight. resulting in $24,600 in, and this is what gets me at the end, finance charges, interest, and other fees related to late, over-the-limit, and returned payment fees. He's even bouncing checks, <laughs> like literal company. checks that he's writing and bouncing, right? <laughs> and, and like, the, the part of it that got me and that I had to screen cap and tweet was on page 14 – Paragraph 13 gets like carries over from one page to the next. And so on the top, the first line on page 14 starts with leaving an account balance of six cents. (laughs) (laughs) And like there's and like there's one point like he's literally he's like. He's taking he's going to the ATM and literally withdrawing twenty dollars at a time. Because that's like so he won't like hit the limit. Yeah. And so that's what left him with a balance in his account of six cents. And that was like at the time that he used campaign funds to spend forty one bucks at seven eleven. That's so much money for seven eleven. That's so much <sighs> money. <laughs> It's, well, I only have twenty dollars in my checking account, and I really want a fucking Slurpee, and five Slim Jims, and a family size Doritos <laughs> that I will hide from my family. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's and then it's like a lot of like actual fancy stuff, like but the trashy stuff is yeah. funnier. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it, like, it's funny. I, I thought that I was making up the fuck the Navy thing, uh, but I wasn't exaggerating. I just ac- actually came upon that paragraph, and it does say, uh, tell the Navy to go fuck themselves. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, I agree, um, but, like... Ex- he's expressing his commitment to anti-imperialism, and we should all praise him for that. <laughs> right, leftist <Yeah>. heroes. <laughs> And, right and and by the way he just after after writing off the Italy trip as mostly uh, military and defense meet related despite bringing his kids uh, he emailed a friend Italy was amazing <gasps> truly our best family trip so far <laughs> like that saying if traveling was free you'd never see me again <laughs> is that a thing people say. <laughs> Uh, well, it's usually, it's usually embroidered. Oh. Duncan, what are you doing? He's um, going to go to jail. Yeah. Like, actually. So, so yeah, it's all very bad. It's all very bad. And uh, only bad in the sense that it's hilarious. Because it's very good. Honestly, it's actually forward. good because probably most of his campaign contributions came from, like, the worst people ever. I was about to say... he. Another like, reason he's a leftist hero. He's ripping off <laughs> the worst yeah. donors in the country. Good for I'm, I think I think his defense uh, should be that all of this spending makes him a job creator. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> um, Triple down yeah, economics, so, bitch. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so that's it. Like <laughs> just an insane amount of grift uh, in not a lot of time. Wow, what uh, a what and, a positive episode. Yeah. 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 All the, all the right people are paying. Yeah. yeah. Things are just people gonna keep are, getting better from here, I think. Bad people. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Mark. Oh, Mark, you had to ruin it with ironic reality. <laughs> um, any any further thoughts on Duncan Hunter before I wrap this up? No. No. No? All right. Well, then I'd like to thank everyone for being here. Michael and Mark and Christina, I am your host, Charles Starr. Uh, thanks for listening. Free Dudes Later. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Why?